0: What's up, everybody? Episode 8, April 17th, 2019. And we got some cool topics to hit this week. Sports flows back in action. NFL schedule came out today. I'm going to hit Tiger Woods getting uh, another major win under his belt. That was actually super cool to see that whole scene. Uh, I'm going to go over Russell Wilson's contract, too, so... Let's get right into it. Uh, Woods on Sunday. Now, those that know me, I I am not going to pretend to be the biggest golf fan or somebody who plays golf, knows much about golf. I've watched it over the years, basically because I have older family members um, that have been into it. My dad's a huge Tiger Woods fan. My uncle and grandfather like golf, too. But other than that, out of all the buddies I even have, I maybe have two, uh, Juk and and Luis that, that... like golf and play it on a regular basis. I have a few other buddies I think that dabble with it, but for the most part, most people I know that follow golf are are usually a little bit in the older crowd. Um, One thing I will say though, is it's an extremely hard sport to be good at, in my opinion. So those guys that you're seeing on TV competing for majors and just even if they make the tour, you're talking the cream of the crop, man. I mean, I mean, even more so than football, baseball, and basketball because golf is an extremely hard sport. I uh, turned on the TV only because I hit up Twitter on Sunday morning. We we're lounging back about to do some chores and go run some errands and stuff like that. And I saw uh, a couple of people saying, oh, Woods is going to win this thing. And I had seen the night before on Sports Center that he was in the final grouping going into Sunday, but he was still behind, and he had never won a major, I think, while trailing. I think every time he had won one, he had been in the lead. So I turned the TV on, and sure enough, he's on like the 16th hole, and he's up, I think, two or three shots. And then they get to the final hole, and he's up two shots, and he basically only just has to bogey the hole, and he wins the Masters. So it was a super, super kind of intense I think moment especially when he he didn't use a driver off the tee used a three wood hits that shot a little bit to the right and then his second shot was really bad so at that point I kind of said well he's got a he kind of has to hit this next one get it decently on the on the green here so he can putt as best as he can close to the hole on his fourth hit and just tap in for bogey to win this thing and that's exactly what happened uh, the One thing I will say is when he got that last putt, which was, I don't know, probably less than two feet in the hole and and threw up the club in his hands and started screaming and yelling, it was a kind of a super cool moment. I think we as sports fans and even Americans in some way, to be honest with you, root for situations and people like that. I think Woods is somebody that was on the top of the mountain for so long and could really do no wrong, and he just came crashing down. Whether it was stuff after his dad died, from getting caught to you know um, getting on like thirteen side chicks behind his old lady's back, having a knee injuries, all kinds of stuff. He just was bottom of the barrel, and then it, to cap it off, a couple of years ago, and it's really gotten swept under the rug. He was addicted to pain meds and other med, you know, pills. And then he got pulled over by a cop just or they found him on the side of the road. I can't even remember the story, but he was completely blitzed uh, from from meds, from pills and stuff. So this guy has gone through some surgeries. He's rehabbed. He's played his way kind of back into being um, a competitive golfer again on that level. So for him to after I think it's been like 11 or 12 years uh, since the last time he's won the master's, to be a, a major champion again is it's pretty astonishing. I also see a little bit of the, well, Tiger's back, and he's going to smash Nicholas's record. I think people need to pump the brakes a little bit on that. I think back when he was, you know, mowing down the field, he had this aura of invinci- invincibility. Even me as a not a huge golf fan could see that. I mean, you could see it because the final scores when he was holding up the trophies at the end of the day – He was just smashing the competition. Well, these golfers now, man, a large part in due because of how much eyeballs attention and kids he brought to the sport when he was doing his run, a lot of those guys now are in their early to mid-20s to 30 years old or whatever, and those are the guys on the tour that he's competing with now, and they're animals. (laughs) So it's not like he's going against... David Duvall and a few other stiffs out there where he's winning by 10 strokes, right? This is, the competition is thick and good and it's not going to be as easy, especially with him being through the injury history he has and he's at, I think, 42 or three years old now. So I think tackling Jack Nicklaus's record for him is achievable, but I just don't know if it's something, it's definitely not a a, a given, I'll tell you that. And I think people need to pump the brakes on that a bit, just thinking that, oh, he's going to hammer that record and it's done. Everyone thought that when he raced all the way to like 13 or 14 or whatever it was in a matter of, you know, I don't even know if it was five years. I mean, it looked like he was going to get 30. Um, So I think the difference this time is I don't think you're going to see him slip up in that regard where he's going to fall off the deep end with drugs and other stuff like that or Uh, mental things I think he's learned a lot from those experiences but he does have injury history so we don't know how that's going to play out and uh, hell he was fortunate enough to even make the Sunday pairing after that one dip soy security guard almost broke his ankle so I think what what will happen is you'll see him start to be more in the mix when it comes to these tournaments he's playing in more consistently than he's even been lately Um, the last couple of years. I think you'll start to see his name in in that mix, but it's not going to be something where he's smoking the field. It's going to be some competitive stuff. Uh, Seeing him come off the course and walk up to his family, hugging his son like that, and his mom and his daughter, those were like super cool moments, especially the one with him and his son, uh, because that was the first person that greeted him. The kid's young and kind of really proud of his dad and If you're a parent, it's really, it was hard for me kind of not to get choked up at that point a little bit. It just was a cool, cool scene, you know, seeing his kid uh, hugging him and that happy and him that ecstatic and happy and for him to kind of be dragged through the mud, which he did to himself, but he still, all the crap he's been through to come out shining on top and, and at that moment and him hugging his mom, it was, it was super, super cool and, I thought it made it a really, really uh, special moment for the sports world. and I was really happy that I was watching that live. So anyway, congrats to him. And we'll see what the future holds in the next couple of years. I'll actually, you know, part of me will be kind of rooting for him in a small way now because I, I personally still feel like the odds of him catching Nicholas are a little bit low, but records are made to be broken is the old saying. And I'd like to see Woods pass Jack Nicholas, just because the odds are a little bit against him, in my, in my opinion, at his age and kind of injury history and everything else. So we'll see how it turns out. Next, we're going to hit the Russell Wilson contract. Whew, man, 140 million, four years. This guy just got broke off by the Seahawks. Um, as much as I wanted to see Seattle part ways with him, it just wasn't gonna happen. Um, I I think, you know, the hypotheticals have been rolling around, people saying, what would, you know, what would it take, you know, because they mentioned obviously that Sierra and him want to go to New York or whatever. And I think that was at the end of the day, more to me, something that was just a little bit of chatter because he had one year left on his deal and he was pushing them, the Seahawks to not Uh, go into this season with him kind of as a lame duck in that regard and what he's done for them. That part's undeniable, okay? He's been in the league seven years, and they've made the playoffs six of the seven years. And the other year they didn't make it. I think they were nine and seven. Russell Wilson's a winner, and there's just no other way to describe him. He gets it done. He's hardly ever hurt. He just is a gamer. And they rarely, rarely, rarely get beat by a lot. He keeps them in almost every game they're in, even the ones that they don't win. So he's extremely hard to defend. He's clean cut as they come. He has no off field issues. He's durable. He's athletic. He's elusive. He's got a very accurate arm. He's smart and he's a great leader. So if you take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks, that team goes in the toilet immediately. Their defense has already been picked apart. They've lost almost every member of that defense that was part of that Legion of Boom and elite defense. And they still kept that because Pete Carroll knows how to scheme and he's an old school head coach that just knows what he's doing and a grinder. And they have Bobby Wagner. They also have Frank Clark and a couple other guys, but the defense is just a shell of what it used to kind of be, but they still produce because of Wagner uh, a few scrappy pass rushers in their scheme. It'll be interesting to see how they do this year without Earl Thomas, but they didn't have him a lot for last year and they still played well. But as long as they have Wilson behind center, that team is just going to compete. They're going to be in the playoff mix and they're going to be right there. They just got to build the right team around him. Now making him the highest paid player in the game, to be honest with you, I don't think Russell Wilson's the best player in football, but I don't have a problem with him being the highest paid player because there's an argument that he might be the most valuable player to his team. Um, They are nothing, again, without him. So 140 million four years, that's 35 million a year. This is the thing. What was Seattle going to do? Okay, if you go and move him, first of all, you have your fan base, they just would totally revolt. I mean, they'd be pissed beyond measure. And I would be too if I was a Seahawks fan. Thank God I'm not. But if I was... I would be just dis- uh, unbelievably in a rage if they traded Russell Wilson. Let's just say, for instance, someone came to them. Even the Raiders, for instance, that's an example, right? Now, I know they got Derek Carr. I'm still not a firm believer that Gruden is all in on the on the Carr wagon there. But they got three first rounders. Let's say, hey, we'll give you our three first rounders, and I'll give you a 2020 first rounder. Let's say Seattle does that deal. I think the fan base is still pissed, even though you traded them for four firsts and you still don't have a quarterback. Their backup quarterback's Paxton Lynch. That guy's trash. So they would be completely rebuilding right from that moment, and then they'd have to for sure try to hit a home run with one of those picks on a QB or get some other guy. It just wouldn't be worth it for them. I don't even know if it was more than four first-round picks if it would be worth it for them because you're losing your best player by a lot. Your quarterback, which is your most important player, and they just would it would immediately change that franchise. So I think they were kind of in a spot where they didn't really have a choice. They also completely on Wilson's end had justifiability to get the deal he did. And Seattle kind of just had to cave. They were they were backed in a corner and they did what they had to do. I if I was their GM and coach and ownership group or front office, I would have done the same thing. Well deserved. I can't stand the Seahawks. I, um, I can't stand losing them. We get our ass kicked by them almost twice a year. We finally beat him last year after like, I think nine straight times of losing the Niners just have been tormented by that defense and Wilson since he's came into the league, really. I mean, he was excellent as a rookie and took them to the playoffs his rookie year. So we'll see. I still think uh, Seattle is not an elite team. That's to most big football fans, pretty obvious, but they're going to be competitive as long as as long as long number three is behind center taking snaps. So well-deserved deal again. And I'd like to see uh, what the future holds for them, what they can put around him. It would be smart, in my opinion, if they got him some better offensive linemen. They've really never surrounded him with a good offensive line, which is kind of a little bit strange to me, especially now that you've chosen not to pay a ton of your defenders and let them walk. I think Bobby Wagner and – Wilson got to be the two highest paid guys on that team, but they don't have a lot of money at running back. They don't have a lot of money at receiver and they don't have a lot of money on, on any of the other positions on defense. So it might be why they're not breaking Frank Clark off either. Cause they gave Russell all that money, but I'd like to see, you know, from a football's perspective, if you're them, it, it just seems kind of strange that you don't get a better offensive line and some weapons for Russell and rebuild that defense again with maybe a few more elite players to get Wagner some help. So Hey, I'm not gonna complain if Seattle's, you know, average to mediocre to right there in the in the wild card mix type thing. They if they lie between that kind of seven to ten win team, I'd rather them be that than a 12 or 13 win team with an elite defense and weapons, but that's just smart football if if they're to surround Russ and, and Wagner with some more playmakers. <laughs> NFL schedule is out, guys. Uh, it's always a fun day hitting Twitter and and some other places that you can get some cool rumors. At the schedule came, was fully out by five o'clock. I think some teams. It actually today, to be honest with you, the news wasn't breaking quite as much as I thought it was. The Patriots had their whole entire schedule leaked before lunchtime. Dallas had like six games, but most of the other teams you didn't see more than three or four. And I think the NFL was really trying to put a stop to that. What it is like anything else is a money driven situation for them. They have these announcement shows that are going on and they don't want to have that kind of interrupted or basically giving people a reason not to watch if they already know. So anyway, I think that the Browns, they're clearly showing that they're all in on <laughs> And it's hard to blame them because Mayfield is a star in the making. He's not there yet though. He's still only going to be a second year player. We're going to see how he does. They got Odell Beckham. Now that alone was going to bring them so much more kind of hype and eyeballs because Beckham just is an electric player. And and he kind of has that aura that he brings with him. So, You saw the Browns ending up with four primetime games. I was actually surprised it was not five. Um, They don't open up the season on Sunday night football, which I'm kind of happy. New England got that gig. So what that means also is that the NFL has gone away from just giving the opening Thursday night game to the defending Super Bowl champ hosting. Pittsburgh draws New England on that home on that opener on Sunday night which kind of sucks for them a little bit but believe it or not I actually find that game to be intriguing I think it could go two ways I think New England might just come out guns blazing and fired up from last season or whatever and just kick Pittsburgh's ass or I think that the Steelers um, you know what I don't know I think People are possibly writing them off too early. They've lost Brown. They've lost Le'Veon Bell. But I also think that that locker room is going to have a sense of kind of relief. They build up their defense a little better maybe through the draft. And they come out. and I think Pittsburgh, you might see a nice little hungry team ready to prove something. And it, it would not shock me to see them go into New England on week one on Sunday night and steal a win there from the Patriots. Patriots, for whatever reason... I've thought at least they kind of come out flat the first month of the year a little bit. And then they kind of just, you know, stay the course, get their legs going and they'll end up 12 and 4 at the end of the day or even 11 and 5 with a buy. That's what happened last year. They finished 11 and 5 and still got a buy. So I think New England that'll be par for the course and then that'll happen. Some of the others uh games, the uh, Philly got 3 Sunday night games, I believe. The Rams got three Sunday night games. I think the Browns got two or three of them. And then they're on Monday night. They play the uh, the Niners week five on Monday night. That was an interesting matchup. I had kind of predicted the last couple of weeks that for whatever reason, I just had this gut feeling that the Browns were going to end up playing the Niners on, on a, a primetime game. I didn't know if it'd be Sunday night, Monday night or what it would be. Another thing I wanted to go over now I've said in the past, and it's obviously, you know, no need to lie about it. I can't stand every team in the league other than the Niners, really, because that's the way it kind of should be. So most Niner fans, you have your rivals. Oakland Raiders is one of them. I hate the Raiders. Now, I have, being from the Bay Area, tons and tons and tons of friends, close friends that are Raider fans. Those are the guys that I feel bad for, to be honest with you, because of the fact that no one deserves to lose their team let alone two times like a couple of my older buddies have when they were with the Raiders and going to games in the late seventies and early eighties and, and Raiders walked back into LA and then they came back and now they're leaving again. And that sucks. You know, I think that the NFL because of whatever crap they had going on with Al Davis, people can deny it in, in NFL circles, but I've always felt like they've kind of had an ax to grind and I don't know what this has to do with anything. I think, maybe them putting up money to help them go to Vegas or whatever. They should be happy that the Raiders are going to be going into a brand new stadium and a brand new market like that, because it brings also the NFL to that market. But these guys, okay. After they play Kansas city on the 15th of December, they have six weeks, six weeks away from home. So their fans won't see them play a game again at home until November the 3rd. That is ridiculous, and it's BS, to be honest with you. It's Even if the Raiders had a good roster and a competitive roster, you're, they're almost making it impossible for them to win with, with something like that. They play at Minnesota. They play at Indy. Okay, two good teams. They play the Bears in London the next week. Then they have a bye. Then they bring them after home from London in the buy and they play them at green Bay and at Houston. Are you kidding me with that? So again, at Minnesota at Indy bears in London bye, at green Bay at Houston. That is a freaking joke. I mean, that that's ridiculous that they, they set those guys up with that just murderers row part of their schedule. Okay. Not only that, They kicked the year off playing two rivals, which is fine, but they're playing Denver, who's definitely a winnable game to start the season off for them with Brown and some new hype and all that. But then they play the Chiefs at home week two and the reigning MVP Mahomes. So you got Mahomes and then that six-game or six-week stretch away from the Coliseum. So you could come back, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, you could be looking at a one in six record with your next game at home against the lions on November the third. And I think the Raiders made a lot of moves and spent a lot of dough to kind of get back into uh, being competitive again. I like that they were as aggressive as they were in free agency and they have all these draft picks they're going to have too, but the NFL just totally screwed them. I mean, they they're making it impossible for these guys to compete with that stretch that they gave them like that. It's just ridiculous. And you can't count the Bears game in London as a home game. I get that it does on the schedule, but to have two roadies before that and two after that against really, really good playoff caliber teams, is just, it's ridiculous, man. It's And it's so obvious that even, you know, reputable beat writers that usually are vanilla and stay on the fence about it are even saying it, Schefter, other guys, you know, it's just, it's it's clear as day for people to see. So uh, I, f- I personally think it's it's just bush the way the NFL handled that. And, and I don't think, you know, if you're going to play favoritism, at least in professional sports, where there's, you know, money on the line for these players making millions of dollars and, and people out there gambling and pan, uh, fans paying a lot of money out of their hard-earned paychecks to go to these games – you want to you want to be able to have your team have a chance to compete and i think with the raiders getting shipped to las vegas and getting uh, even though they're getting a great new stadium the fans here of the bay area are losing losing their team for the second time a lot of them and i, I just think it's this whack how they're being treated and i just i don't i don't think it's the right thing but it's kind of over with now they have to kind of just deal with it but I I need to call a spade a spade on that. All right, guys, that's all I got for this week. Next week coming up, the NFL draft, man, I can't wait. That's going to be next Thursday. It should be awesome. I uh, think I'm going to do a pod the day before or a couple days before and go over maybe a little bit of mock drafts. Not that it really matters. None of us know or can say who's going to be what when it comes to players in the league. But it's still fun to talk about, so we'll discuss that. In the meantime, NBA needs to fire David Silver. That guy's got the ratings in the toilet down 30 to 40%. The guy's a schlub. You guys have a good rest of the week. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care.